This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. With exclusive articles from Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, the Jesus Bible lifts Jesus up as the lead story of the Bible. It is available as a full study Bible, as well as available as individual Bible journals. Find out more at www.thejesusbible.com. Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ-centered and clear? Learn with us here on the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. This is Nate Aiken, and this is a podcast where we want to have conversations about Christ and all the scriptures for every church, and just wanted to let you know uh, that we'll be taking a break from our Judges series for the next couple of weeks and actually uh, posting sermons from some of our contributors to kind of show how uh, how they play this out, um, particularly as they preach through these texts. And so we'll be uh, posting over the next several weeks sermons from the book of Judges, and then we'll pick back up our Judges series here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, today on the podcast, you will hear from John Aiken, uh, and he will work through the Samson story. And so thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have a Bible, go with me to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 13. Be in Judges chapter 13 here in just a second, looking at the life of a man named Samson. And as you turn there, let me, let me apologize for the suit and tie, okay? Uh, I was going to change between services, but the preacher in the 930 service went too long. And so um, I told him not to do that this time. All right. So we'll, we'll be good. Uh, we'll be in Judges 13 here in just a second. When I was uh, starting out in seminary, there was a, a large church, influential church in my hometown where the pastor l- lost the church. He was fired because he had an affair with his best friend's wife. And uh, so just ruined that church um, and, and put great hardship on his family. But what ended up happening was a group of pastors in town, older pastors, including my pastor, started to meet with him to try to help work him through repentance and, and help he and his wife with counseling and that kind of thing to try to put their family back together. But what he told them was this, as they began to talk to him about how this happened and, and, and what led to these events. He said, you know, here's, here's how it started. And he tells, tells a story because the, the couples were friends. And so they'd hang out all the time and their kids would hang out. And so uh, his wife's best friend and her husband were over one day. And the pastor and his family had just bought a motorized scooter. Okay. And so the kids were all taking turns playing with it. And then they got done. And so the pastor said, all right, my turn. And so he jumps on the scooter and then his best friend's wife says, well, can I ride too? And he, they said, sure. And so she jumps on and he said, the moment she got on the back of the scooter and put her hands on my waist, I thought, oh no, that's not good. I like that. And they're riding around out in front of the house. I mean, his wife's there, her husband's there, all their kids are watching. But that was the moment that things began to progress Till eventually they had an affair. He lost his church on the verge of losing his family. She on the verge of losing her family. And it all started with something that on the outside looked innocuous. 
It started with something on the outside that looked very innocent. No one looking, the kids that were watching, the husband that was watching, the wife that was watching, nobody said to themselves, you know what? They're going to have an affair. It seemed like harmless fun. Here's the problem. The problem is that the things that we can explain away in the moment can become the things that eventually bring us down. The things that we can explain away right now, it's no big deal, it's just harmless fun, I'm never going to do anything anyways, why are you making such a big deal out of it, never even think about it, those are the things that will eventually bring you down. That's the way the destruction works. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, you know what, I think I want to ruin my life today, Right? Nobody wakes up one morning and says, you know what? I think I want to destroy my family today. How do you get there? Not one big decision, just a thousand tiny decisions. And you look back and you think, how did I get here? How did this happen? It's not one big choice. It's a thousand tiny ones. Really, there's, there's, there's patterns in our life and there's things that are happening again that we can explain, explain away right now. But that if you're, you're my age or older, you may know this, that like when these things are happening, like the Jaws music should be playing in the back of your brain, right? Dun, 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 dun. Like, like you're in danger, but you may not be able to see it. And so wake up, look at your surroundings, try to see it before it's too late. And we, our lives can gradually spiral out of control because we continue to fail to see the warning signs. And that's exactly what happens in the life of Samson. And that's exactly what happens in the life of the nation of Israel in the book of Judges. So let's look at the story. We can't read the whole thing. So let's just read uh, verses one through five uh, to, to, to prepare for our study. If you would, please stand to your feet out of reverence for reading the words of God. And we'll read the first five verses. This is what God's word says. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Two things I want us to see quickly in this story about Samson. Number one, you could be gradually ruining your life and not even see it. You could be gradually ruining your life and not even see it. Now, let me explain to you exactly what's happening in the book of Judges. You'll see this graphic on the screen. There's a cycle that plays out in the book of Judges over and over and over again. And here's the cycle. Israel sins by worshiping false gods. Their sin is idolatry. And so then they are judged by God by him handing them over to a foreign power. So they're handed over to the Philistines or they're handed over to the Edomites. And then once they are in that subjugation to that foreign army, 
They repent. They cry out to God for mercy. God raises up a savior called a judge and he saves them. And then when the judge dies, they repeat the cycle all over again. And what ends up happening is as they're repeating this cycle over and over again, as time goes on, the spiral downward becomes more and more and more complex. Israel becomes more and more and more flawed. The, the men that are being used to rescue them become more and more complex and more and more flawed so that the, the nation is spiraling out of control. And the Bible tells us in Judges repeatedly, the, the author tells us why it's happening. He says it's happening because there's no king in Israel and every man does what is right in his own eyes. No king in Israel. Every man does what is right in his own eyes. And yet, God mercifully, even though they continue to disregard his mercy, God continues to send them saviors. And so again, here in the story of Samson, they've sinned. They've been handed over to the Philistines for 40 years. And in fact, the spiral out of control is so bad now that the cycle changes. And here with Samson, the Israelites don't repent and they don't even ask God to save them. They're no longer crying out to God for mercy. They're so at ease with their subjugation and with their compromise with the Philistines that they don't even ask God in prayer to rescue them. And yet God is so merciful that even though they don't ask, he sends them a savior. This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition. Zonovan Bibles has partnered with the Passion Movement to bring you an accessible study Bible with features designed to help you meet Jesus throughout the scripture. With over 1,000 articles and essays written by contributors like Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn, this study Bible is written so that you may know him more intimately, love him more passionately, and walk with him more faithfully. The full Jesus Bible has been changing lives since 2017. And now select books of the Jesus Bible are available as individual Bible journals. The handy size and ample space for taking notes make these Bible journals an ideal one for group study or personal devotions. Chronicle your own journey of faith as you discover Jesus as the lead story of the Bible in five Old Testament books and nine New Testament books. There was never a moment before him. There will never be a moment without him. There is no BC. Find out more at thejesusbible.com. As we just read... You have this angel who goes and declares to a woman who cannot have children that she's going to miraculously give birth to a savior. Does that happen anywhere else in the Bible? Anybody know? Like Jesus? Yeah, Jesus. That's exactly right. All right. Angel foretells this woman who can't have children that you're going to give birth to a savior and you're to set him apart as a Nazarite. And as a Nazarite, there's three rules. Okay. Can't drink wine can't eat unclean food, can't cut your hair, all right? So he's set apart as a Nazarite, and he says he's going to begin to save Israel from the Philistines. And so Samson begins to grow. He's anointed by the Holy Spirit, which means he becomes this great warrior who's able to battle against and defeat the Philistines. In fact, it's not really even his hair that gives him his strength. It's the Spirit of God that gives him his strength, Okay. And so he's able to go to war. And here's one of the things that really like chaps me, okay, is when I watch all these movies about like Bible characters and stuff, all the Samson movies, 
they cast like these bodybuilders as Samson, okay? And it's acting like it's because of his bulging biceps and his, you know, his ripped muscles and, and all that stuff. That's the reason why he's strong. Like just once, I wish they'd get some shrimpy guy like Tom Cruise or Zac Efron to play Samson and just show like, it's not about his strength. It's about the spirit of God on him, okay? So the spirit of God comes on him. He's able to defeat the Philistines. He's able to kill a thousand of them with the donkey's jawbone. He's, he's gaining victories for Israel. He's doing what God has called him to do. But there's some flaws in Samson. We begin to see some, some weaknesses, some challenges. Go to chapter 14. Look what the Bible says there in chapter 14. We'll read the first three verses. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines, then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Now, let me explain some of the the flaws that we see in Samson. First of all, we didn't have time to read it. He breaks the first two of the three Nazarite vows, okay? He eats unclean food, and he goes to a drinking party. He drinks wine, okay? So he breaks the first one, breaks the second one. What do you think is going to happen with the third one? Think he might break it? Okay, there's a little foreshadowing there. And then in the text that we just read, we see that just like the people of Israel, they're indicted all the way back in chapter three because they're trying to intermarry with these pagan people who are not believers in the one true God, and they're not, they're, they're not supposed to be unequally yoked to unbelievers. And so the Israelites are intermarrying with all these, these godless pagans. And now Samson, who's supposed to be the savior of Israel, he wants to intermarry with a godless pagan woman. And so he's doing exactly what the nation has done in compromising with the surrounding people. In fact, he's doing exactly what they've done because what does the text tell us that we just read? That he says, get her for me, why? Because she's right in my eyes. So just like the people are doing what's right in their eyes, the one who's supposed to save them is doing what is right in his own eyes. And we begin to see this pattern of foolishness in Samson's life, that especially foolishness with women, okay? He's not really good with like, Samson's like a cross between Rambo and Hugh Hefner, okay? Like, that's who Samson is. Like, cross between Rambo and Hugh Hefner. Like, this guy, just like, incredible appetite for violence, incredible appetite for romance, all right? And so it always is getting him into uh, trouble, all right? And, and I, I use romance in, 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 as, like, sarcastic, okay? Trying to keep it clean up here, all right? Um, and so he's got this, this foolishness in his life where he gets himself in this, involved with these women, and then they try to betray him, and he kind of gets out of it, and they nag him, and they wear him down, and he finally gives in to what they want, and it puts him into all these, these dangerous positions. And this is, this is ultimately what's going to be his undoing uh, and the end. And so we see this pattern of, of foolishness come up. And at this point, it may not seem like that big a deal, right? Like, okay, he had a glass of wine. Okay, he ate some unclean food. Is that really that big a deal? Okay, he married an unbeliever. I mean, 
believers marry unbelievers all the time? Like, is this, is it that, is it that big a deal what he is doing? But the problem is these are warning signs. These are showing you little things that he's doing that point to this progression of where he is headed and what's ultimately going to bring him down. Because Samson's problem is that his greatest enemy is not the Philistines. His greatest enemy is his flesh, his uncontrolled appetites. And not just that, his foolishness. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that like a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. And so Samson, rather than learning the lesson and staying away, he continues to presume on the blessing of God. And he thinks that God's blessing is somehow God's permission for him to continue to do all of these things that he's not supposed to do. And so these alarms should be going off. What seems minor ends up destroying him, not overnight, but gradually it destroys him. And we should be aware that that same kind of thing can happen in our life. That there are patterns in our life and things that we're doing right now that are going to progress us towards ruining our life, even though we can't see it right now, that, that may one day cause you to do something that your children will never forgive you for even when you die. And you don't see it. And the Jaws music should be going off in the back of your brain. Teenagers, when your parents warn you about not putting yourself in some unwise situation, you just blow it off as they don't know what they're talking about, you should hear warning bells in the back of your brain. Maybe I should listen. When you, like Samson, have parents who are walking with Jesus and who love you and who say, I don't know if this relationship is right for you, maybe you should listen to them instead of just plowing ahead. My parents don't understand what they're talking about. When you are uh, excited to go to some work function because somebody's going to be there that's not your spouse and you like the attention that they give you, warning bells should be going off in the back of your mind. When you want to get into shape and lose weight, so you get a membership at a gym and there's somebody at the gym who's giving you attention that your husband or your wife doesn't give you, warning bells should be going off in the back of your mind. When you delete the browser history off your phone, warning bells should be going off that you could eventually ruin your life. There's a progression that you may be able to explain away right now, but you're moving towards destruction. Samson does. Samson's lust and his pride and his, uncon- his, his, his lack of discipline eventually destroys him because he meets this woman named Delilah, okay? And Delilah betrays him for silver, all right, interesting, okay, and hands him over to a foreign people. But what's interesting, again, about him not learning the lesson about letting these women wear him down and is that, I mean, if you've ever thought about this, if you, if you know the story, Delilah asks him three times, what's the secret of your strength? And he says, it's this. And so she tries it, doesn't work. And he says, it's this. And she tries, it doesn't work. And this tries, it doesn't work. And so a fourth time she says, and she, you know, she's doing the, you don't love me. You know, why don't you tell me? And all. And so what does Samson do? He tells her, like, if you ever just thought to yourself, like, what'd you think she was going to do? <laughs> like not cut your hair. <laughs> And yet, he tells her. Why? I think he tells her. I mean, the text doesn't tell us, but I think he tells her because he doesn't think his strength's going to leave him. 
I just think his overconfidence, his, his arrogance, his presuming on the blessing of God, he, he doesn't think God's ever going to depart from him. And so he tells her, and she has his hair cut off, and then the Philistines arrest him and put out his eyes, and he's now blind. And now that he's blind and he can't follow what's right in his own eyes anymore, he finally starts to do what God has called him to do. So the second thing, last thing we see here, God offers you another chance through Jesus. God offers you another chance through Jesus. Like Samson, though, you've got to come to the end of yourself. You've got to be broken. You've got to be contrite. For so many people, it's not until they hit rock bottom that they're, that they're really willing to say, okay, God, can you now make something out of my life? That's what we see here. Uh, Samson is not the Savior. He obviously is imperfect, but he points us to the Savior. And let's, let's see how. Look at chapter 16. Let's read the end of the story. Chapter 16, verse 19 through the end of the chapter. This is what God's word says. She, Delilah, made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him, and she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after he had been shaved. Now, the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, that's drunk, okay, they said, call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars, and Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women, all the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. And Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed with all of his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtoel in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. Let me explain what's happening. This story, the story of Samson, clearly is not a moral tale, okay? It's not like Aesop's fables. It's not like you're supposed to read this, and then God says, go and do likewise, okay? That's not what this is about. The story of Samson, the reason why this story is in the Bible is because God wants to show his people that he can save them through one man anointed by the Spirit of God. One man anointed by the Spirit against an entire other nation, against an enemy army that, that seems undefeatable. And God can use one man anointed by the Spirit to rescue his people. And that's exactly what happens with Samson. 
Samson's brought out for this victory party where they're worshiping our God beats your God and our, our God beats your champion and they're mocking him and they're making fun of him. And what's interesting is what was happening here. If you go read earlier in the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 28, God tells the nation itself. He says, listen, if you worship foreign gods, if you commit idolatry, then I'm going to send you into exile and the captivity in a foreign land where you'll be made to bow down before foreign gods. And what's happening here in this story is that instead of the people going into exile, Samson, the savior goes into exile for the people and is mocked and humiliated before a foreign God. And so he's taking on himself the punishment that the nation deserves, which is exactly what Jesus does for us. He substitutes himself for us and takes on the punishment that we deserve. And then what happens? He cries out to God. God hears him. God answers his prayer, gives him strength one last time. And he sacrifices himself and he takes out the rulers and all these, this multitude of the Philistines. And he gains a greater victory in his death than he did in his life. Who else in the Bible gains his greatest victory at his death? Jesus. And Samson, with all of his flaws and with all of his imperfections, he points us to Jesus Christ. This podcast is generously sponsored by The Pillar Network. The Pillar Network is a community of SBC and International Baptist churches that are doctrinally aligned, missionally driven, and committed to equipping, planting, and revitalizing churches together. If you're a pastor of an established church and you're desiring to lead your congregation to plant churches, but you're not sure how to get started, Pillar could be a great resource for you. Reach out to them today at thepillarnetwork.com, thepillarnetwork.com. I mean, just think about this. Just like Samson, Jesus' birth was foretold by an angel to a woman who could not have children. Just like Samson, Jesus was anointed by the Spirit of God. Just like Samson, he was betrayed by his own people and handed over to the Gentiles. Just like Samson, somebody who kissed him betrayed him for silver. Just like Samson, he was arrested. He was blindfolded, not blinded. He was mocked and he was humiliated. And in his greatest humiliation, God used that to bring down his enemies and to rescue his people. Unlike Samson, Jesus did not die for his own sins. He died for the sins of the world. And unlike Samson, three days later, he was risen from the grave. And so Samson points us to Jesus, who becomes the curse for us, who becomes sin for us, who becomes the the judgment of God and bears in his own body the curse that we uh, have received on the tree so that we could be forgiven, so that God could say to us, if you're in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation for you. He has defeated our enemies. How? By taking our death on himself. Samson sacrifices himself for the people. This is not suicide. This is a soldier laying down his life for his people. It's the exact same thing Jesus says about his death. He says, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down freely. And three days later, I'm going to take it back up again. And he sacrifices himself to bring us salvation. And because Jesus did that, listen, because Jesus did that, you can go read in places like Hebrews 11 about Samson, who despite all of his foolishness and all of his flaws, the Bible says that Samson was a hero of the faith. And he was a man of whom the world is not worthy. 
That's amazing to me. And the reason why that's amazing to me is if God can say that because of Jesus Christ about Samson with all of his stupidity and all of his wickedness, then he can say that about me and all of my stupidity and all my wickedness. And so if you have, have made a mess of your life, if you feel broken, if you feel ashamed, if you feel guilty, if you feel like you've squandered all of your chances, listen, in his greatest moment of humiliation and brokenness, God used Samson for his saving purposes, and he can do the exact same thing for you. So here's the thing. There's, there's two ways. I heard somebody say this once. Let me close by saying this. The Bible tells us that God is father. There's two ways that you can look at that. And you say, God is, God is my father. There's two ways that people view their dads. Okay. One way people view their dad is they say, man, I just messed up. Hope my dad doesn't find out. And then there are other people who say, man, I just messed up. I got to call my dad. He's going to get me out of this. That's the kind of father that God is. He says, if you've made a wreck of your life, don't run away from me. Run to me because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to sing and then we'll conclude our service and we'll have pastors here at the front. If you need to talk to somebody because of what's going on in your life, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to take advantage of that fresh opportunity, that second chance, third chance, hundredth chance that God offers to you then we want to invite you to come. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk to you about how Jesus can change your life. Don't leave here without talking with somebody and and having somebody pray with you and for you. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that, that you would help us by the power of your spirit, that you would convict us of sin, that there are patterns in our life of foolishness, of things that we're doing that we can justify, that we can explain away, but that are dangerous. Then Lord, open our eyes to that. And help us to agree with you that those things are dangerous and help us by the power of your spirit to run away from them and to run towards Jesus. And Father, if we're here and we say, you know what, it's too late. I've already ruined my life. May the truth of the story of Samson be encouraging and inviting to anybody who thinks that today, that it's never too late. And that if you'll run to the Lord Jesus and throw yourself on his mercy, He will be so, so good to you. So, Father, help us to run to you. We ask in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com. And please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.